0: This is Bob McCowan. That is John Shannon. Hello, everybody. Wait a second. (laughs) Maybe we should do take two on that. Was that deliberate or accidental? Uh, uh, What do you mean, Bob? Did did gas come into play there at all?
1: (laughs) Hey,
2: how you doing, everybody? Welcome to the ballpark. Thank you very much. (laughs) Um, Uh, Some days you just have to laugh, Bob.
0: Oh, some days you laugh. Not, no, <laughs> no, not at, but with. Well, some days it's at. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, Kevin Weeks is going to join us. Former target, um, now broadcaster. Big star. Big star. Big star. <laughs> and uh, we're going to address the early part of the season in the National Hockey League. And, and given that he was a target, um, we may talk about some goaltending. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Weeks, when we commence after these messages, Colin and Shannon back with you. Our friend uh, Kevin Weeks joins us once again of ESPN. Now
2: you have to say ESPN. Kevin Weeks of ESPN.
0: <laughs> oh man, I'm, are we contractually obligated to say that? Well, think you, know, <laughs> know, they? you know, don't
2: You know, no. Well, not in oh. Canada.
0: They don't see him in Canada at ESPN. Uh. Well, then what's the point of promoting ESPN if they well, can't just see be, him in we're Canada? We're being nice to our buddy. We're being nice. Well, we love him, but but um, you're making a big deal out of nothing, I think.
2: No, I'm just trying to bug his ass is what I'm trying to do. <laughs> well, he doesn't care.
0: Well, we, yeah. do, you, do you give a fly in Fidu, whether we mention ESPN or not? I mean, you'd I like you, us I to. Love, but...
1: I love how you worked in fadoo. I love that. I see what you did there. <laughs> oh, wow.
0: That's where it started. Well played. You know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
2: Yeah, well, waiting for Sonic the Hedgehog to tap his foot, too.
0: Yeah, that'll be coming <laughs> in a minute if Shannon doesn't shut up. Um, you look beautiful. Oh, everything boy. is okay.
1: Thank you. Yeah, morning, guys. Yeah, everything is great. No complaints. Uh, had a lot of fun out there in Vegas and back home in Jersey, back on the NHL network tonight, 6 p.m. Eastern, and then tomorrow, 4 p.m. Eastern as well. Uh, buy some How time. Plugs? The next time you How wanna... many plugs do you need? <laughs> But listen, when I, when I, when I, when I'm on with two seasoned veterans that have a combined 385, watch, years out, of, watch yourself, run, easy. that's the experience part. That's the experience, not the age That's the easy. Experience part. So they listen, slow I, I down. pay attention. I pay attention. I listen to the cues. I learned from, from the greats. Um, that's how I do it. Slow <laughs> down.
0: <laughs> um. Well, so we barely we, we barely dipped our toe into this regular season. There's, mm. you, you really can't get much out of it. But we did see a couple of really interesting things. Um, you, were, you were in Vegas. So you saw the Golden Knights take a 3-0 lead and then get caught by the Kraken and um, have to score one more in order to eke out a victory. And we, um, we also saw the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions play the wounded Pittsburgh Penguins missing their top two guys and i mean it wasn't a blowout i mean 6-2 looks like a blowout they scored a bunch of empty net goals three. but yeah 3 yeah but yeah. still whatever um which of those two was more surprising to you or does it not even matter cuz it's a, just the first game of the year
1: fair question i'd say what was more surprising is the the Pittsburgh win at tampa mm. And you just kind of teased it and saying the wounded Pittsburgh Penguins, they're kind of waddling a little bit just based on missing two of the best players, one of the best players in history, for sure. And a top 100 in Crosby and a top 100 player for me was on my ballot. And now you have getting Malkin, two future Hall of Famers. I mean, that's crazy, right? But that's, you go on the road Damley Arena and you're going into the teeth of it and you're thinking, okay, Tampa defending Stanley cup champs are on home ice. The building's packed. It's now they're in Florida. The atmosphere is great. And everybody forgot to give the Pittsburgh penguins that memo. And I got to credit Mike Sullivan and Todd Reardon, their assistant coach and the rest of the staff. They had them dialed in. They had them on the, we against the world us against the world mentality. Everybody in the world's watching this. It's a season opener. The NHL's back on ESPN. Tampa's in their barn. Everybody's here. Celebrities in the building. And they're raising the banner to the rafters. And the Pittsburgh Penguins were so well prepared for that game. Reason being, they didn't chase it. They weren't loose. They weren't sloppy. I thought their energy was great. And they played with a lot of composure, if I could say, especially with a lot of the new pieces. But somebody we got to give a lot of credit to, and I really thought this was a brilliant move by them last year, Jeff Carter. Yes. Nobody, give, nobody gives Jeff Carter enough love. And you think of everything that he's won, AHL, two Stanley Cups in, in, uh, in the LA Kings, all the stuff internationally for team Canada since world junior, he's just such a good player. He can still skate and he brings a lot of that experience to that group. And Brian Boyle another nice story for them too. over 800 career games. Didn't play in the league last year, played in the world championships for team USA and comes all the way back. So I was really impressed with their game at Tampa. No question about it.
2: Kevin. Um, the the one thing I think that w- that is always going to be a question mark, and Bob and I've touched on this on lots of shows. On every team, is goaltending. Mm-hmm. And, um, you, you know, and and if I had told you that Tristan Jari was going to outplay Andre Vasilevsky, you would have told me that I was crazy. But what kind of what what kind of pressure? And Jari and DeSmith and Pittsburgh to me are are an interesting pair because nobody's given them any credit. Mm-hmm. And how good are they? And how good can they be on a team that, you know, is, is, uh, is, let's face it, on the downside of a really good run in Pittsburgh for a lot of years?
1: Well, fortunately for, for Tristan Jari, he's got his goalie coach back and somebody we know well from back home and Andy Mm Kyoto. Chico had him down in in Wilkes-Barre and helped him become an HL all-star, helped him become an NHL all-star for that matter and now he's been a, he's been uh, elevated to the NHL goalie coach position. I think that'll help him with the familiarity because Chico knows his game, he knows his personality, he knows his mannerisms, and they have a lot of trust there. So I think that'll elevate Jari's game, and it's going to have to. You're right, going into that, Andre Vasilevsky, the big cat's the best goalie on the planet. Never would have thought he would have been outplayed. Uh, looked a little uncharacteristically off his game, which is very rare, so you can kind of mark that game. Um, but nonetheless, I, I also think that Casey DeSmith, He's very steady. He's a very steady goalie when he's in. He gives him a chance to win games. So I think in the us against the world mentality that Mike Sullivan has been able to really impress upon this group, it kind of starts in the net because for me, I didn't see the flower going back to anywhere else but Pittsburgh. I thought he would have gone to Pittsburgh, right? And so did everybody else. And I remember breaking that story when when he got traded to Chicago. My head was scratching. And I literally talked to Flower on the phone five minutes after. His head was scratching. More importantly, and that to me signaled maybe a little bit of extra faith that the organization has in uh, Tristan Jari and also in Casey De Smith. But the fact that, as you alluded to, they're wounded and without Sid and without Gino, that changes things.
2: But it, I, I want, you, you touched on something because. Bob always makes a big, uh, big things about pitching coaches. Pete Walker's Mm -hmm. uh, a guru and for the for the Blue Jays. Jays, Goalie coaches. I mean, goalie coaches uh, are they that important to individual players? I mean, you and I have a fond relationship with uh, Benoit Allaire in New Mm -hmm. York, who I think is. I'm biased. I think he's the best goalie coach in the world. But what, what 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 would make that much of a difference for a guy like Jari to have? A goalie coach is comfortable with
1: having a goalie coach that you're comfortable with number one you're comfortable with them on a personal level so they respect you as a human being Uh, they're able to relate to you they understand your tendencies they understand some of your likes your dislikes some of your insecurities Uh, and then also they are not looking to overhaul your game they'll build upon your strengths and some of the areas that you need to improve upon they'll say okay Hey, let's do this collectively. Let's come up with a plan that's collaborative. Let's build you up. Let's elevate you. Let's not take away the things that you do well. So for example, let's say if you're Jonathan Quick, a lot of people don't know this, but I got to give Billy Radford and Kim Dillabaugh so much credit because Jonathan Quick's flexibility, his athleticism are off the charts. We probably haven't even seen a goalie that was that athletic to that extent and that explosive, so to speak. And they didn't try to, say, to, to change him and say, okay, we're going to put you in the confines of this box. You have to play a very patient game. They said, no, we're going to work on your butterfly stuff, but we're not going to take away that incredible elasticity that you have in explosiveness. There's an example. And I remember, and I can tell you guys this, this will be great for the listeners. I remember I had a Vancouver game for Hockey Night in Canada, uh, and it was LA at Vancouver. We're at the Western Bay Shore in van for those of us that travel and know that hotel and we're in the lobby just come back from pregame skate and i remember speaking to somebody from the la kings and I, who i won't name and i said man i love your goalie man and the person from the king said you mean bernie and i'm like i love bernie don't get me wrong i think bernie's a really good goalie quick is the guy and they're like really you think that i'm like quickie is the guy that guy is incredible And I had a subsequent conversation at Vancouver's rink that night at Rogers and somebody else in the organization said, Jonathan Quick can be a star in this league. I'm like, I agree. Bingo. That's the year they won the Stanley cup the first year Mm -hmm. in 12 and he won the uh, con Smythe. So I got to give a lot of credit to, in that case, Bill Radford, Kim Bilbaugh for not trying to change him. Goalie coaches are imperative to the success of any team. Let's look at the Florida Panthers. Our good buddy, Roberto Luongo, my former teammate along with Francois Lair as well, along with Luongo's brother, Leo, at the AHL, and Robbie Tallister, goalie coach. Look at the year that they had last year. Overall, look at the progression of Chris Drieger. They got Bobrovsky back somewhat kind of in the neighborhood of, to what he could be. I think he'll be better this year. And look at what they did with Spencer Knight. Mm-hmm. So all things being equal, go- a good goalie coach is imperative to any elite um, girls or boys team at any level. I think it... it takes the goalie's game to a completely different level.
0: Since we're on this um, goaltender
1: um, bandwagon here. <laughs> I thought you were going to say love best.
0: I saw. <laughs> Well, well, there's some of that. Okay. There. Okay. <laughs> sure. Look, I was a target a long time ago, too. So I I, I do get it, and I subscribe to it. But mm-hmm. I'm intrigued with your perspective on, on this week's. Mm-hmm. There are really two kinds of goaltenders in in the game today. There's the guy who just is physically gifted and athletic and allows himself to be that way, and that is his strength. And then there's the guy who's had all the coaching, who knows all the angles, who is generally a big body, who is blocking shots more than reacting to shots, and is technically sound. Which is better? If you were, and, and I know it's a it's a dumb question, really, because no, no, um, because I don't think you could take a technical goaltender and make him more athletic, and you should never take an athletic goaltender and try and make him, you know, turn it's him into com- a technical goaltender. It's the, combo, him, right? guys are, it's the combo, combo guys that this the combo guys are their
1: best, but they're just the yeah, guys, combo. that, yeah,
0: you know, yeah. Well, You're spot on there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so talk to me about that.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with the Godfather on that. I I, I like the combo guys because when you have the consistency of being technically sound, you know, there's repeated save selections, meaning there's a consistency to how you're processing the game and the save selections that you go to. Um, When you're technically sound, you don't necessarily need to chase it. You you have the value of being positionally, pardon me, consistent and aware in your positioning. And you understand the relativity between the puck, the shooter, and your positioning and the appropriate save that's called for for that shot what i like about the athletic element is then the way these players snap the puck around are you kidding me you see kucherov over to stamkos up to headman back to Braden point you got to be able
0: to move across the crease got to be able to move
1: you got to be able to move and it wasn't that long ago i remember you know early to mid 90s and then when our generation was coming in then some people were like "Oh, you guys are too dynamic because everybody used to look at say kirk McLean was so good and so smooth and so technical they looked at john bambi's work the same thing and so patient those those types of goalies but ed Belfour was kind of became a combo guy mm-hmm. at that time right and and eddie eagle he became a combo guy which i thought was brilliant patrick wah became more of a, a combo guy who well, went Marty along. marty's the greatest Marty. combo guy, marty's the greatest combo guy of, of all time of all so. time right yeah. so you yeah. had so you had those three guys that oh by the way three of the greatest that ever played oh by the way they had the consistency, and they continued to evolve their games, right? Yeah. So we then saw that down at the other end playing against them. We're like, oh, okay, so this is what we have to do. Here's how we have to evolve. So all that to say, if you look at guys now, to your question, Bobcat, look at a guy like Andre Vasilevsky. Okay, first game aside, opening night, a couple nights back, but look at the consistency that he has. His positioning is always on point. He's an excellent skater. He can get from A to B. So when he gets there, he can be a lot more controlled, be patient if he has to be. And if he's called upon to do something Gumby-like and really athletic, he can do that too. And Connor Hellebuck is almost the reverse where Connor Hellebuck is more statuesque, right? And you see him, he's such a big man. And you see him and Wade Wade Flaherty's done such a good job with him this way in terms of the consistency and using his size and his presence and patience. But he also has improved his butterfly technique as well. So he can react to shots if need be. Those well, I two know of you, the best boys in the world, right?
0: Yeah. I know you guys will, will, will critique me here. If, if you think I'm, I'm nuts here, but I think Vegas had the perfect example of two guys who are completely different in terms of style in, in, uh, in Flurry and Leonard. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that wasn't, there were other factors here. I still think they might've let the wrong guy go, but um Are they, are those two guys, Fleury and Leonard, like completely opposite in terms of how they play?
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know what? Okay. So let's tie it back to pitching, right? Because you guys are huge baseball heads as well. Um, I've grown up loving baseball too. And ironically, the NHL Network's at MLB Network here in Jersey. Here's the thing. So if you look at the Dodgers as an example, right? A lot of people don't know this. The Dodgers have a great, not only promotion, night cross promotion with the Kings But there are a lot of shared resources, especially when Ned Coletti was with the Dodgers. And and when Dean Lombardi was with the Kings, they shared a lot of scouting, a lot of best practices, a lot of development. And quite frankly, Bill Ranford and Kim Dilbaugh spent a lot of time with the pitching and vice versa of the Dodgers. So here's the point. So if you're looking now at the Dodgers, you throw Clayton Kershaw out there on the bump. He looks very different to, say, a Max Scherzer, who's new there, who looks very different to, say, a David Price, who's there. Every one of them has a very different presence on the mound. Different command, different tempo in which they pitch with, uh, different release points in their arms. And if you compare that to a goalie, goalies, you're spot on when you asked about Vegas for that. And here's one of the things. Knowing Pete DeBoer and Steve Spot, you know, we grew up knowing Spotter in Toronto, obviously. But knowing Pete from his time in the O to where he is now, Pete loves big goalies. Yes, he, he does. Goal- yes, right? he does. Sure, he, he does. Noticed. Pete loves big goalies. And you know, so too does Q. Coach Quenville does too. They love big goalies or guys that at least play big. And they've got that big kind of upright torso and that presence about them, that kind of jam, the little statuesque. And that's mm-hmm. exactly why Pete loved Robin Leonard. Mm-hmm. He's naturally a big man, but you know, some, some the listeners might not be able to see us, but I'll put it this way. If you look at some of the batters in the batter's box, like a Ken Griffey Jr. Upright stance, shoulders upright, Barry Bonds upright. And then you see some that are a little crouchier, maybe. A little more knee bend. And they might look a little smaller to the pitcher. So it's the same thing in hockey. Marc-Andre Fleury plays to his size at 6'2". But he's a lot more dynamic. He's more reactive. He's more agile. And he's a lot more athletic, let's say. Whereas for Robin Leonard. Yes, exactly. For Robin Leonard, he's a little bit more reserved. He's a huge man. He plays deeper in the blue paint. Which Pete seems to prefer. That's always been Pete's mo.
2: By the Just way, like Robin, Robin with By the way, Robin isn't as huge as he was last year. No, he's, to his credit. Yeah, to his credit. Well, he needed he to. Really he hard need, he, re, he really totally. needed to. See that no the, 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 the fascination about those two guys uh, mm. between Leonard and Flurry is, uh, I don't think we understand and, and how what a great athlete Leonard is. Very true. Uh, be, because he is so big. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember him in Sault Ste. Marie. Same. Uh, and he was a tall, lanky kid. Yeah. Yeah, and, exactly. and what's happened now is that he hasn't grown up, he's grown out.
1: Right, <laughs> and, right. And, yeah. and, for
2: his, and for his frame to manage all that weight, yeah. uh, which is one of the reasons, let's face it, why he has been, had a few injury issues, um, yes. for his body to manage that weight. You know, he should probably be 235 or 240. He was 20 to 25 pounds heavier than that at times last year. Um, no question. And the, playing the, all those games too. And to playing all the games. Yeah. We don't give him credit for being a great athlete. We just think he's a scientific goalie. But he is a great athlete underneath all that.
1: He totally is. And I remember when he came because Henrik Lundqvist used to tell me about him. And Hank.
2: Right?
1: Yeah, Hank used to say, we see, wait till you see this kid, man. My old goalie coach in Sweden, his son. He's 13, but he comes on the ice. Uh, in Sweden I've watched him I've seen him up close this kid's gonna play in the league he was telling me that when Leonard was 13 14 years old Henrik mm-hmm. was so Leonard's dad <clears throat> pardon me is like a top level martial artist like guru and he used to train Henrik Lundqvist on and off as a kid in Sweden so mm-hmm. I was looking for Leonard to come down the pipeline I kept looking for him and then you know I have an affinity for Ottawa being the fact that I played junior there my last year with the 67s. I always kind of keep my eye there. I've got buddies, still live there and stuff. And in watching Leonard when he came in, he was the fittest guy in Senator's camp as like an 18-year-old. Like he blew away a lot of the testing stuff. He was in impeccable shape. And, and you're right, a, a tall, slender, but really super powerful frame. He went to Sault Ste. Marie, he was already a man. He was physically a man in that league. Mm-hmm. And then uh, keep in mind, he went to the American League too, down in Binghamton, the right. HL team and won the HL Calder cup and, and the playoff MVP too. So he, you're right. I, I don't think a lot of people give him enough credit for how athletic he actually is. That's very true.
2: So you talk, you you. Talk, we've talked about baseball. I'm going to ask you another question about another uh-huh. sport. Um, and that's golf. The yeah. the, men, the mentality of a golfer, if you hit a bad shot. and And again, Bob can relate to this. If you hit a bad shot, what, what you do you mean by that? I've seen, I've seen, <laughs> but, but you uh, have, you, you ha, when you hit the bad shot, you have to make sure yeah. that you don't worry about it. Yeah. That you don't worry about it, That you clear, they clear it. Um, mm-hmm. How important is it for a goalie uh, to learn not to worry about the one that just went by and, and clear the, clear that mechanism to get ready for the rest of the game? Everything. And, 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 who, and everything. who does it better? Who does it better in the league? Does anybody do it as well as anybody else in the league right now?
1: I would say Vasilevsky for sure. Vasilevsky is exceptional with that because he's – what's crazy is you have the dichotomy between the fact that he's almost perfect and he doesn't let in bad goals very often. And then the odd time – pardon me – that he'll let in a, a stinker by any standard, but of course by his standard, he's able to just kind of reset that and and bounce on to the next shot and that is such a good point you make and the reason being for a lot of the listeners that are out there young girls and boys that play the position or parents or coaches who were listening it's always stopped the next one it's always stopped the next one and even the stinky one on the scoreboard for morale it might count a little bit more but the stinky one that gets by it only it only counts as one yeah right it, it only counts as one and i gotta tell you marty when i play with marty Marty was great that way, Roder, as in he was great that way, Big, okay, yeah, all right, it's okay, boys. That's on me. It's okay, boys. And that's so disarming, and it's, dis, it's disarming to your teammates externally, but it's also disarming to yourself because you're not allowing yourself to stew in it in the moment. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as a goal goes in, and I've seen this literally playing like minor hockey back home as a kid, especially if you let in a stinker, your own teammates are chirping about you on the bench. Sure, they They're are chirping. Their eyes are rolling. Your coach's eyes are rolling. Your teammates' parents in Chestnut Arena or St. Mike's Arena, their eyes are rolling. And then the opposing teams are licking their fingers. They're like, all right, you know what? We got to them there. We got them. Okay, no problem. Let's come down and shoot the next one right away. And you even see it in practice. I'm glad you asked this question because in practice, you let it stinker. I'm telling you, even at the NHL level, the guys in the corner in the shooting drill, they're mocking you. <laughs> ta-ha, ta-ha. You need your glasses. You need your reading glasses. Like put the contacts <laughs> in. We see like whatever, like the contact lenses. And even they get fired up for it because they oh, sense yes. that you're vulnerable at that point. So if you have the ability to slough this off, and I remember the great Billy Smith was my goalie coach coming up in Florida Panthers. And he would always tell me, don't give them anything. Don't give them nothing. Don't give them anything. F them. Don't give them anything. Don't show them anything. F them. And he was telling me this once they dropped me at 18. And that really stuck with me. So that's a great question. And it's so critical for any, uh, well, any goal at any level. And, and listen. You know this.
2: Did you ever see Billy play? He, he, of course. He, 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 he was course. the exact opposite. If he let a bad goal exactly. in, he let the world know that he had let a bad he goal totally in. He totally did. And, uh, and yeah. don't get
1: close to me. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That was the hardy. Man, he was so funny. But at the same time really instrumental in my development at that point because it's there's some of the things that he did in his game as you were saying which were completely opposite but he knew the way the world had grown which both of you were such a big part of with coverage with cameras with mics which all this other stuff it certainly was very different based on you know that time mid to early 90s as it progressed than it would
2: have been in his time. You just I, I I'm I'm gonna go off on a tangent here. One go one quick yeah. Billy Smith Let's story. Go. One quick on. Billy Smith story. So so one <laughs> year in the four-year swoon that I, I'm producing hockey night and the islanders win the cups. <laughs> and, yeah, and John Ziegler is the president of the league, and he presents Billy uh-huh. Smith with the Conn Smythe trophy. Mm-hmm. And he says, Congratulations, Billy, on winning the Conn Smythe trophy in 1983. And he says, Well, thank you, Mr. President. I should have won it last year. That's him. That That, is him. That's
1: Billy. As soon as
2: you said Billy Smith, that's the first thing I thought of.
1: Let let me tag this. Let me tag that story, which was amazing, by the way, because that totally encapsulates his his mentality. So, Bobcat, check this out. We're up and on sound. Okay, this is my second year because I get drafted my rookie year, so my second year in in junior, my sophomore year, if you want to call it that. So it's Jamie Store and I. You become Storzy, You've gone, you become American honest. You've gone.
2: You've become American honest. Sophomore year. I'm Give a me a hybrid. break. I'm a hybrid. Give
1: you're me nervous. a break. Give me a break. Uh, <laughs> so, so, well, Bobcat's done the reverse, right? Done <laughs> yeah. the reverse. I still, I
0: know exactly what you're talking about. I do. I use that that all the time. And um, <laughs> I, and Canadians sometimes they go what? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so, at so this point, at this point, it's Storesy and I. We are, there's, you know, some really good goalies across the country in in CHL major junior, but it's kind of a unique thing. You have this Japanese slash Hungarian goalie who's a high pick. You have this Caribbean Barbadian Canadian goalie as well, who's a high pick and we're playing together. So we had this internal competition. We were great friends. We're great friends to this day, but he was drafted the year after me in 94. So this was the season after I was drafted in 93, because he's a late birthday. All this to say, so Billy Smith would come to Owen Sound. So he would work with us, plus Storzy's dad, rest his soul, was our kind of associate goalie coach. Billy, so Storzy's dad, Mr. Stor, would have his, goal, his puck machine. You remember these, Godfather, the, the old school bony, the puck machines, right? Sure, sure. So we'd have that. We'd have shooters in the morning, be it Wayne Primo, be it whoever. And then we'd have uh, Billy Smith in and around the net, in and on sound track suit. So here's the crazy thing. So we'd be there, it's early in the morning before school, I'm gung-ho stores. He's kind of not really gung-ho, but we're out there. It's like seven 30 in the morning, right? Shots are coming in. Puck machines coming in. Shooters are shooting. So the odd one we drop Billy Smith. Billy Smith's like, give me your effing gloves. I'm like, what do you mean? He's got a Florida Panther baseball hat cocked off to the size. Like, give me your effing gloves. You guys are dropping pucks. Like they're hot potatoes. Give me your effing gloves. Swear to God, he goes in the net. No pads, just gloves. No pads, no gear. (laughs) Just gloves. This is 7.30 in the morning. Just uh, gloves and a freaking stick. So Mr. Store turns down the freaking puck machine speed, right? Turns on the speed and the velocity. And Smitty's like, come on, come on. So the shooters are shooting. They're like, oh, my God, this is Billy Smith. Like, we can't waste a high one that's going to catch him. In the nose or whatever, he's like, come on. (laughs) You guys are soft. And he's like egging them on. So they're now Mr. Stork cranks up the the puck machine. These are coming. And he's catching these pucks, by the way. The shooters are taking the slappers. He's using his blocker, directing the corner. He's like, if I could do that as an old man, you guys are supposed to be top prospects. Let's go get your asses in gear. So that that really really stuck to us. But that shows how crazy he was and how fearless he was. He was awesome, though
0: fascinating guy He's awesome oh yeah, fearless totally. fearless totally. is a nice way to put it crazy is a more accurate way <laughs> yeah. to put it yeah <laughs> That's um, we That's gotta true. take a break um kevin weeks is with us we'll uh, come back after these messages it's mcgowan it's shannon and it's uh kevin weeks from espn Uh, And the NHL network and,
2: and, -hmm. uh, and, and and, and Spamoni's restaurant in Hoboken on Tuesdays. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I mean, another credit, you know, just another credit, you know? So, Hey, uh, you you know, you were, you were talking, um, you were talking before the break about being a Barbadian Canadian and you had a Hungarian Mm -hmm. Italian and Jamie store who was a really good goalie, by the way. Um, uh, and and one of the reasons we wanted to have you have you back on was uh, Mm -hmm. was to talk about diversity in our game uh, and Mm -hmm. maybe diversity in sports Uh, Scotiabank our friends at Scotiabank that you're well aware have uh, launched a new program Mm -hmm. Uh, hockey is for all I believe is the slogan Um, and and this is following on you know a despicable act that we saw in the Ukrainian Hockey League a couple of weeks back Mm -hmm. Uh, we've, we've seen homophobic slurs in soccer games in Mexico. Um, and it's easy for me. I'm, I'm a, a, a white senior citizen. I don't understand it. Um, can you explain it to me? Is there, and, and, sure. and, uh, and, what do, and, 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 and what can we do and how should we be doing? it?
1: Okay. So let me say this, let me preface it by saying this, I've known both of you a long time and, both on and off airwaves you both in a lot of ways have been kind of championing this stuff long before it was cool and there that's a testament to both of you and and i really appreciate that because of the influence that you've had and have and the amount of people that your product is is able to reach and what you may or may not recognize is and i know you do i'm saying that in tongue in cheek but you never know who's listening you never know who's watching
0: True. and my
1: parents always taught us that as kids and at any time either one of you and both of you really and, and whatever you were doing you were cognizant of that because you knew that let's say bobcat in your case you're doing your thing on the fan 590 i can't tell you how many people how many times as a kid growing up my dad's listening to the fan we're listening to fan my uncle's listening to fan my cousin's listen to fan well, Bob McCowan said, and I was listening to Bob McCowan and Bob McCowan. Any, like you talk about it, any Caribbean, any Italian, any Greek, any Portuguese, any Irish, any Russian, like you're reaching so many people. And the same thing with you. Godfather on Hockey Night in Canada, like that—that's a ritual. And yeah, but, that's but, but, to, but you understand but, what I mean? Yeah, but this so, isn't
2: about. This isn't about us.
1: This. This no, is no, about. Here, this is here, about here, here where. Where, going we, there. where are like, here? We? Where I'm going? But here, where I'm going to that point. The sport and sports in general are collective tissue. So you don't know who's on the other end of watching it. It's a Punjabi family. Like I said, it's an Irish family. You don't know who's watching and listening and the impact that that, that has on them slash us makes us feel included in that experience. Yeah. And we feel like we're a part of that experience and it becomes a part of the fabric, right? So whether my dad's playing cricket back in Barbados, but he's now watching Hockey Night in Canada long before I'm on it or He's listening to the fan, that's a shared experience. It's a shared life experience. So now, point being, from that point up until now, that hasn't changed. But what has changed is there's more people that are asking the questions that you're just asked. And there's more people that are at least open-minded to listening and trying to learn exactly the way you were. And that goes a long way. And I feel this here's why it's so important. Think about any any think about the Jays winning in 92, 93. Okay. Look at the roster, different players, different backgrounds, different languages, see those in the dugout. And you think about what that meant to how many Canadians I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. I'll fricking tell you what it meant. It meant us leaving Owen sound and borrowing Andrew Burnett's Chevy Chevette to drive back down highway 10, to drive straight into Toronto, to drive to young street, to break curfew for me and Luigi Kelchi and Storzy to walk up and down young street when the Jays won. Do you yeah. understand what I mean? Like, that's how profound that stuff is. Look at the Raptor Parade. I'm sorry, with all due respect, there's not another parade that it had as many people, as many different backgrounds, as many different color wheels, gender, you name it, sexual orientation, religion, that were there at the Raptors Parade. Two million people. If you've been to Caravana, you know Caravana Parade is jammed, north of one million people. That was double for the Raptors. And so many people across the country, more importantly across the world, were able to see that. And it meant so much to so many. So sports is connective tissue, I really believe. And it's transcendent. It's one of the things that's transcendent. Music is transcendent. It can be transcendent. Art, food, culture, sports is one of those unique things. And it's so important to recognize that, that any girl, boy, person should have the opportunity to go to a ball diamond, to go to a gym, to go to an arena, feel good about themselves, their parents being Scottish and having an accent, their parents being from Newfoundland, Russian, Jewish, whatever the case may be, and feel like them whole, their whole selves and feel safe in there. That's as a fan, as a player, as a family member, as a personnel member, whatever the case may be. That's imperative. And I'm going to take it back to you, Godfather, and I always tell this story. I remember being at the GM meetings in Boca Raton, early in my TV career. And I remember you saying this, Weeksy, I think you're better off being in the States to help grow the game. Yeah. It's important for our game. Hockey needs you there. I think there's a great opportunity for the sport. And that was one thing that resonated with me. And as hard as that was to hear, as somebody who was raised in Canada and have my parents and enjoy my family there, it was exactly what I needed to hear. And I couldn't be any more appreciative of the fact that you saw that and you felt that way and you were spot on then. That's why I'm telling you, you're, you both were well, way ahead of this curve before it became topical. And it's really important because for our sport to go to the next level, as you talked about, and, uh, and Bobcat, same for you, for the sport to continue going to the next level, it has to continue to mean this much or more to more people. That's imperative.
0: I, very kind words, and I I thank you for them. But but the truth of the matter is, Kevin, that that we're a couple of beyond middle aged white yeah. guys who, mm-hmm. um, to, you know, mm-hmm. we recognize the problems in um, not just racism but all forms mm-hmm. of um, discrimination.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course all forms of discrimination. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, are
0: abhorred by it. um, And Mm -hmm. and speak to it when we have the opportunity. Mm -hmm. But for us to look at where we are today, and analyze the gains that may have been Mm -hmm. made is, it's sort of absurd, because we're on the outside looking in. We can't really assess that. Or we Mm -hmm. cannot assess that in the way that someone like yourself can. So, As we sit here right now in October of 2021, how much different is life for you as a black athlete than it was 10 years ago, let's say.
1: No, fair question. I I would say the fact that it's at least being discussed puts it at least 20% different because before it was so taboo to where you couldn't even mention it. And anytime you mentioned it, and if you didn't mention it to open-minded people, it it was just like snuffed out, like the fire brigade would come and just turn the, just extinguish the flame, so to speak. So you didn't even have really very much space for the conversation, let alone acknowledging that transgression, right? In addition to that now, the fact that you have a platform to discuss it and more people are open to discussing it, you can then add that maybe another 10, 15% bump, but where the challenge lies, is you have a lot of people still that are of the mindset that that's just a card somebody's playing or that's just somebody being quote-unquote sensitive or whatever the case may be and think of it this way this is the easiest way that I like to equate this for those of you that have children or have siblings um, you know grandkids whatever the case may be think of his or her their experience going to school so you're going to kindergarten or you're going to monarch park back home or my old high school bethune or wherever you're going you're so emotionally invested in that young girl boy person and you want them to be protected you want them to feel safe you don't want them to be bullied not teased the odd time and joked around cuz kids are kids but you don't you don't want them to come home in tears ever of course doesn't matter, matter who they are so when you look at it from that standpoint why is that any different for a 17-year-old playing junior? Why is it any different for a 22-year-old playing soccer in Europe? Why is it any different for a 24-year-old playing in the National Hockey League and playing in Calgary, as an example? It shouldn't be. It's the exact same thing because everybody's somebody's daughter, son, Mm -hmm. um, child, nephew, niece, or whatever. And you always want to make sure that they feel good and they feel safe. And the same thing I mentioned, that's from the kid's standpoint, but it's the same Thing for a parent and or a grandparent or family member Now, when they're i can tell you guys there were times my parents are going up and down not as much playing minor hockey back home but there's times when i once i got to the O, where ironically my parents are in kitchener and or windsor ironically just across from detroit and you had people yelling racial epithets at me or them at my parents or sister and they're sure. watching the game like So that's so uncomfortable. And for them, they never got into altercations. They never, credit to them for this. They never made what people would say is a scene. And neither did I, 9.99 out of 10 times. But what's crazy about it is I'll go back to Owen Sound and tell you this. We had a rookie, you know, your rookie orientation. Everything was cool. And there was somebody in the school in the CAF that was actually yelling racial epithets at me in the CAF. I'm 17 years old in high school. Hmm. And the person was brazen enough to do it not once, not twice, but like three, four, five, six times. And that's the kind of stuff where nobody should feel uh, subject, subjected to that ever. And any sporting venue, really in anywhere in the world, but certainly in, in any sporting venue since we're sport focused, right. Should never happen. How, how,
2: how, how much, you know, you bring up an interesting thing. Cause I, uh, how much of what we're dealing with now is mm-hmm. and I, I'm I'm trying to put this in a positive because I don't want anybody to sure. think that I'm being negative. How much no, of I'm this not. now is the fact that your parents, in mm-hmm. uh, the generations that they have lived in, were more tolerant of it than you are, or or your peers are? Because you there were, I'm sure there were times in your love, your, your young life that your parents would say don't say a thing totally. just ignore them it'll go oh, away
0: yeah. well that and was what was expected too
2: well oh, yeah well, and yeah. we now have a
0: new generation yeah. no no, of- yeah, no my point is right. it was, that was that, yeah.
2: that was what it, i i can't i don't know what was expected but yeah, i yeah. know my my parents would have done the same thing for me yeah but you're and now the fact is that that you know god bless you guys like you and Anson and PK and all, all of the, all the, the, you know, the stars of our game are, are, do have the ability to stand up and push back. Pushing back is important.
1: Pushing back is this. so important. It's so important because I've had instances and this is why I actually love both edges of what you guys were just saying. And the reason being is number one, having the ability to push back and stand up for yourself, heaven forbid, You have somebody come and throw cow manure on your plate and tell you it's a steak and they're laughing at you and they're forcing you to eat it and you don't eat it. Heaven forbid you don't do that. Well, that's not a steak. You know what I mean? It's cow manure. And the the hard part is if you were to say that, then you're doing the unexpected, quote unquote, because now you're saying, well, this is not a ribeye. It's not a sirloin. What are we doing? You got this from the pasture. This is stupid. What happened here? And if you were to say that, you'd be like, have an attitude, let's say, right? They'd characterize mm-hmm. that or just the person, the perpetrator say, they think they're high and mighty, or he's a, a, a donkey or she's a donkey. How dare they say whatever? So you're almost marginalized to the point to not only not saying anything, but also having it happen and not being able to say anything, which is even more disempowering, right? And, and I've even had that like in personal situations where um, in, in different personal relationships along the way where people would do things and okay you say, Hey, that's not cool. Or, Hey, that's disrespectful. Or, Hey, let's not go down that road again. Or, Hey, don't do that. And finally, after how many times have you saying this, they keep needling and keep trying that. And finally you're like, Hey, listen, stop the F like, this isn't happening anymore. And then the narrative shifts on you. Like, Oh, he's aggressive. Oh, he's angry. Oh, they're whatever. So that's kind of that slippery slope. Right. That's concerned. Right. And, and it sucks. It's really sucks because you're so disempowered in having to take it, but then not say anything about it. The point now where we are today and where I feel it's changed is at least you can acknowledge that and and knowing that you're the one that's subjected to that, at least you can acknowledge that and say something about it and say something about it in different ways. And I think that's really important. That's really important. It's, It's like the game. Think about the game. This is what people don't understand. You're, I'm going into the corner, right? You know how they have the stop signs on the jerseys and stuff for the kids back home, yep. youth hockey. When you see the stop sign, let up, ease up, maybe guide them in the boards, don't jam them. In. So my back's to the play. I'm trying, I'm in behind her net, fishing this puck out to get it to my D-man in the corner. All of a sudden, the opposing player comes and cross-checks me face first in the back. That's egregious by any measure. You know what I mean? And, and that's a punishable offense, if at the very least a penalty. So why is this any different? Like if you're in the lunchroom or if you're on the bench or if you're playing or if you're in an office or a restaurant, whatever environment you're in, that should never be able to happen. And I also think too, something that would make it, something that would serve as a real good deterrent is strong, punishable behavior. And that's what I always say. If this happens and that kind of stuff happens at at any level, but especially once we're talking junior, pro, Mm -hmm. college, International soccer, top level, NHL, whatever it is, whoever that perpetrator is, because they know what they're doing, it's a stiff, harsh penalty, and that's if it's somebody with something to do with the game, player, coach, whatever. Mm-hmm. If it's a fan and fan misconduct, you're banned for life. We don't need you here. Yeah. Hey, by the way, somebody just, else uh, will come into that seat.
2: So, so uh, you have a high, pro- you have a higher profile now than you did as a player, um, mm-hmm, by no far. Do you still get it? Mm-hmm you still get some some racial yeah. epithets?
1: Yeah the odd sure. time somebody feels a little bit sweet. somebody has um, a little bit too many too many drinks they feel a little bit sweet. They're outside if our sets outside at Stanley Cup or um, Winter Classic, all-star any one of those things, any of the events so to speak, you'll find the odd person that feels a little bit sweet and, and that tries to say something that's that's idiotic and depending on if we're live or not, You know, if we're in commercial break stuff, you guys would know. I'd look around at security and I'd be like, yo, man, he he or she or they got to go. Like, they got to go. Can't happen. Like, just can't be happening. And that's where I say it's really incumbent upon the people that are around, too. Like, especially if you have security officials or uh, off-duty police officers and such. They've got to stand up and say, you're gone. That's it. Get their ID. Get their name. Can't come back to this venue. That's it. You got a lifetime ban. Can't happen. Because people also know what they're doing when they're cunning that way too. Sometimes really? people are very cunning. You know what I mean? And, and it's kind of calculated. Well, he can't say anything now because he's in a suit and he's on the air. Or he can't say anything because him and I are dating. And if I say that, if he says something, I could say that he's mean. Or I could say that she's bad or whatever the case may be. I could try to ruin their reputation. And I've seen all those stories myself before. So I think it's, it's interesting how at venues, the odd time people will do that still to this day. I remember we had Stanley cup final in Pittsburgh of all places, which rich history with the Steelers, rich history, obviously with the pirates back in the day. And certainly obviously with Mario and Sid and Ronnie Francis and everybody that's played there. I couldn't believe that in Pittsburgh. I I was like, really? It was Rupper myself, Jameson on the set. And I heard that and I'm like, what, how is this even a thing? Like, and, and at times too, People then are using that, not only to gaslight, but also looking to kind of tweak you to where let's, let's get into a fight type thing, kind of instigating as well as gaslighting, which Mm -hmm. I think is, it's just abhorrent. It's horrible behavior. I really think and it doesn't matter who the person is. You know, it doesn't matter who the, and I'll tell you this one too, which the listeners will, will find interesting. So in your case, Godfather, you're from the West. And, but obviously you're global, but you're from the West and you come East and you live East now. But I remember even when I first started doing games in hockey and Canada, when I was doing the West, sometimes people would say things to me and I'm like, really? Like, I just got out of the league. Like I just finished playing with these guys or Brent Sutter. I just finished playing for Brent, (laughs) like in Jersey, literally like four months ago. Now he's coaching the flames and it's like, well, what does he know? He doesn't know anything about the West. What is he doing out here? Bra, bra, bra. He's an Eastern guy, bra, bra, bra. I don't know. I'm an NHL guy. That's what I know. I played in the league a long time. Hmm. I know the league like the back of my hand. I know the people in it and I know the game. So I'm here to serve the game. And I'll tell you what's interesting, though, is all of a sudden. um, My now fiance and I, we get together. She's from Calgary slash Whitehorse. (laughs) All of a sudden. By the she way, Whitehorse
2: is not a Whitehorse is not a suburb
0: of Calgary. By the way, just no, no, exactly no no no.
1: It's no, not exactly. a
0: suburb of anything.
1: Yeah, I don't know. So here's what's crazy: her mom's born in Indiana, ironically oh, Fort man. Wayne specifically. I played in Fort Wayne, oh. so this is crazy, right? But as it as it stands, her, her mom's side of the family moved from Indiana up to uh, up to Whitehorse, up to Alaska, excuse me, then BC, then white horse. So a lot of families there, and a lot of them are in and around oh. Alberta. Cool. So all of the exactly so all of a sudden now her and I start dating and things get more serious and whatever so anytime I'm out west I walk on water now cuz I've got my unofficial western passport <laughs> so it's awesome well, it's just but it's funny it's funny just to see how people can kind of change right sure, and, and that's sure. that's what's so encouraging about that too is we've seen so many people change that way and people are changing wow. which I think is amazing that's really we thoughtful. needed
2: we needed to we, change quicker that's all we just needed to change quicker
0: that's I hate to no do question. this, but we, we got to get out of here where time is our enemy here. Um,
1: where are you guys going? You're done already?
0: Yeah, we well, because the show's on SiriusXM now, we have a time restriction. <laughs> we're, a, we're a big I radio know. network. We're I a big you radio are. network it's show. It's time.
1: You congrats, know? boys. Yeah, No, congrats. congrats. Shannon's
0: lying, and congratulations are, are either unnecessary or premature at the very least. Uh, but so Weeks, we love you. Chicky baby. Love you guys and, too, um, man. Stay good. Stay healthy. And yes, uh, we'll
1: we'll bug you down the road, okay? No bug, I, you guys know any time. Let's let's do part three, four, five to ten. I'm here.
0: Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate uh, you guys, man. Thank you, Kevin Weeks. We'll come back to wrap it after these messages. So our thanks to Kevin Weeks for joining us on the program. Always, um, always interesting. Always fun. Yeah, yeah, and and. You'd be more convincing than that, than I. Well, yeah.
2: No, I, the the thing is, is that you know, as much as we have fun and laugh and tell stories with Kevin, there's, you know, uh, what goes on in our sport, uh, in hockey. I, I say our sport, but in hockey, Your when sport. it come and and when it when it comes to public um, displays of discrimination and racism, um, I, I I'm i I Bob I I just don't understand it. I don't well none, of us, none of us no do. no that's I, not true I mean, that's not true lots of people do understand it
0: well but they're they're racist pigs and yeah. and the unfortunate part about all of this and and I've I've tried to take this position for a long period of time is that it's it is nearly impossible to change people's minds on things as fundamental as racism Racism is not a casual thing. It is a fundamental thing. Hmm. And, and, and what we have to do is we have to be cognizant of the generations to come. And racism can be overcome over an awful long period of time by teaching our kids to be inclusive and not racist. But your success rate with people who have that inherently in them is going to be minimal. And as long as you understand that, you know, we just continue yeah. to progress. We hope.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's funny. I I think the gen, my, my son and daughter's generations, I think they're much better at it than we are. Well,
0: that's my point, John.
2: Yeah. I think they
0: are. Uh, I hope they are. Teach I pray your kids. Are. Teach yeah. your kids. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and make, and, and we now have a society where, where, where people are surrounded by, um, kids of, uh, of other races, uh, And it becomes natural to them. You know, I'm going to say this.
2: Kevin Weeks is just a man. He's not a black man. He's just a man. And I think that we got to get to that point.
0: Well, because I don't describe you as a white man. Slowly but surely, I think we're getting there. We got to get out of here. We're over time. Uh, We thank you for watching or listening. We'll see you uh, next week. Bye.